We all have busy lives these days and don't want to waste a day of recovering after a night out. As you get older, it just seems to get longer and feel worse. And then all the things you plan to do that day get pushed to the side. And now I have kids and I have to get up extra early for them. And oh, it's a nightmare. Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. The probiotic in Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com slash JTF to get 15% off your first order when you use JTF at checkout. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Hi, it's Jesse. Today on the show, fashion designer, cabaret singer, podcaster, and one of the most entertaining people I know, Isaac Mizrahi. We'll get into dinner parties with Nora Ephron, being a young gay designer during the height of the AIDS crisis, and career risks he's taken that not everyone believed in. There was this one customer of mine who I loved. She was like a friend of mine. And we were having lunch. She was like, well, I can't buy your clothes anymore if you're going to make those clothes for Target. This is Dinner's On Me, and I'm your host. When I first moved to New York in 1994 for theater school, there were a few buzzy names in fashion, and one of them was the young upstart, Isaac Mizrahi. His name became synonymous with class and sophistication, something I didn't have much of when I was the young age of 17. I was going to class in Old Navy, and if I was feeling fancy, structure or Banana Republic— I finally got to know him years later when Justin and I reached out to him to design a bow tie for our foundation, Tie the Knot. We fell head over heels with him and his endless and hilarious stories. I feel like he's one of those people who has lived a million different lives. In many ways, he made Fashion Week a spectator sport, a place for celebrities to see and be seen. A-listers sitting in the front row as icons like Naomi Campbell and Cindy Crawford walked down the runway in his designs. God, that must have been a time, right? But so many people younger than me know Isaac for his many other endeavors, his line for Target, his cabaret shows, and as of late, his podcast. As you'll hear, Isaac has this sharp humor paired with incredible warmth. When I'm sitting across from him, I always feel like he saved these stories just for me. Time always flies so fast when you're in the presence of Isaac, so savor this one. Are we on? Are we taping? We found time to meet for brunch in New York City on a rainy Sunday morning during Fashion Week, ironically, at one of the chicest brunch spots in town, Pastis. It's your birthday in a few weeks. That's right. We're both Libras. We are Libras. And yours is coming up the 22nd of October. Mine is the 14th of October. And I hate birthdays. Do you like birthdays? I don't mind them. I hate them. They're terrible. Just yeah, it's you another like year. them. I noticed that. Well, like I don't you're always love... celebrating. You do no, that. I'm not, you like, like a celebration, Like darling. Justin, for example, was eight days ago. Was like, it's my birthday week. I was like, oh Jesus, really? Are we doing this? Well, that's a Virgo. You can't help that, right? right? And we have friends who are like that. We make fun of them, and then I was like, oh, are you doing that thing that we make fun of? <laughs> like you're doing it, right? So if if there, if you ever see a party. Um, that that I'm at. It's usually something that Justin has organized. Right. Usually. I'm was not... the wedding organized by Justin? Well, that we did have help with that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 we did. Because that was like, you know, some kind of crazy, unbelievable and beautiful, like extravaganza, darling. It was, it was an extrava- a very special day. Yeah. It was a very, very special day. This is so not half and half. It's People, not? No, 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 no. Oh, is it? Wait a minute. Let's it might see. be. Maybe. Isaac dipped his no, knife into the, the half and half. It's actually, I think turn. it is half and half. But look, does that look like the viscosity movement of half and half to you? The jiggle of half and half? That does not I mean, not it doesn't look, look like skim, which is really all I care about. It doesn't look it could like be, skim. It could be no, whole and I'd be no, fine. No, whole, no. Let's see. Why oh, not? yes, it is. It's half and it's half. It's very half and half. Okay. You put right, a drop how, in and it immediately turns white. See how... 
See how paranoid I am? I'm so paranoid. <laughs> you think everyone's out to get you. <laughs> half and half. Yes. That is I just awesome. want to let you know about my specials today. Oh, we'll tell us. Yeah, please. not really any specials, but for brunch, in the top right-hand corner of your menus, we do have a pastry basket. Everything that's listed in the basket is what's yeah. included, but of course, we also do a la carte, so whatever's best for you. you Viennoiserie. Our pastries here are insane. They're so yes, good. All made in-house. Did you have any questions Specific. or perhaps you know what to, you wanted to eat? Do you want to get some bread basket stuff? Yes, I do. Yeah, let's yeah. do I, that. So I'm, I'm excited about laminated. laminated let's get anything that's <laughs> laminated. We'll take. <laughs> right. Do you want to do the whole pastry basket or just a few of those? Why things? not? Do you mind? Oh, get it. Of course. Do I'll take do I mind? Go first. I'm going to do the quiche Florentine. Quiche Florentine. Yeah. Yes. Wow. It's very good. Yeah. Did that just change your opinion of what you were going to get? <laughs> no, because I want an omelet. Because yes. I like the way they make omelets here. They're never brown. Like I like the way you add a syllable to omelet. Omelette? Oh, yeah. Why? I think it's omelette. Well, it's like chocolate. No, there's always a syllable, darling. Are you Check serious? Call your voice and diction teacher. She will say omelette, yes. I want, I want, I want the Gruyere omelette. Thank you. You know, I went to performing arts high school where we, we, we got a lot of voice and diction. It was a lot of Eastern Standard, you know. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. I'm still friends with people from that class. And I go... Omelette, and they go, shut the fuck up, you <laughs> asshole. But I have to because that's what I was taught, darling. You know, this yeah. whole sort of. But I've always, I was always bad with that. I was always the one in, in class being corrected for saying things the wrong way. Because really? I'm from the Midwest, I, we flatten a lot of our, our syllables. Right, and you pronounce your R's. Because mm-hmm. in Eastern Standard, forever, you didn't pronounce the ah. Yeah. You would say, you know, mock or something, whatever right. it was, right? And then came Johnny Carson, who had that hard R sound, yeah. and it all went to that, because yeah. it became less affected. It sounds very effective to, to speak like, you know, some yeah. 1930s Claudette Colbert it, movie or something. But I don't think, for you, it really works. Does it? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God, because it's I'm the, so affected. <laughs> Fuck you. Are you trying to say something to me? Wow. I know, it's not Really, gorgeous. an eclair? That's not pastry. Darling, that, that eclair, that's dessert. What would you call dessert. that, a donut? Yeah, that's a donut. Um, I'm going to take half of this. Please do. A croissant. Beautiful. You tell me if it's good. Oh, right. Is it really good? Really buttery. No butter? What the hell? Who the hell do they Here's think they jam. are? Is the butter buried? No. Who the hell do you think Who you are? Who do you are? think you are not serving you want some butter? butter with? Well, no, I don't. Want I guarantee butter. you. No, faith. I really don't. That's my passive aggressive way of saying, could you please bring some <laughs> fucking unsalted butter with a bread basket? Now, I don't know if you need butter on these. The croissant's super buttery already. Darling, you always need butter. No, you don't. You kind of, I know, I'm with you on that. I, I think there can be too much butter, but a croissant with a little bit of butter and cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a cheese course at the end of a dinner? You have a little butter with the cheese because that's sick, but that is delicious. That's very Parisian. That is very good. That is mm-hmm. delicious habit to get into. <laughs> You've been cooking a lot, I've noticed on your Instagram. I have. Have you always been good in the kitchen? Yeah, I've always been interested in it yeah. as a subject, and I've always thought of it as something that you had to do in order to be a fabulous and chic New Yorker. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to know how to cook, or at least know the difference between good cooking and bad cooking. You know. You told the story of, was it a part that you made that wasn't presented with dessert <laughs> and you were so angry about it? At a dinner party it. that I went to, it was at Bob Balaban's house, but like people were there. Like Nora Ephron, you could have stopped there. And Mariska I'm, Hargitay was oh there my gosh. with her incredibly beautiful husband. Like you have to yeah, avert so your Speaking of men, right? That is a man. They're a very good looking couple. That is a man. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but... Like BB Newworth and I mean all these Stop fucking it. people were there. It was so crazy, and we bought. And it was like a potluck. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Oh, okay, I'll make this tart, which I can. You know, I yeah. can make this beautiful tart." Yeah. And we brought it, and she looked at me and she was like, "Oh, you make things?" And I was like, "Yes, we Wait, who make said this? things." Nora Ephron said yeah. that to me. And Frank Bruni was. There. All these people were there. The tart never got served. I promise you, it served. never got served. And we were there through charades. We had dinner. They made that tambale thing, you know, that thing that they made on um, Big Night. You know that movie yeah, Big Night yeah, yeah, with yeah, Isabella course, Rossellini yeah, and um, 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 Stanley Tucci mm-hmm. and all those good people? It's this kind of deep dish, like dough thing that you make with pasta inside and you cut it like yeah. tambale. And so they decided to make that for dinner. And it was eh, meh, it wasn't so <laughs> delicious, okay? And then they never served this fucking t- And Arnold and I looked and kept going, where's the person going to serve the tart? Arnold's my amazing gay husband, who I just love so much. <laughs> I'm glad he's gay. He is, he's gay. I'm glad. That was delicious. Yeah, right? 
I want to talk about kind of the first time that I became aware of you was when I moved to New York. It was 1994. So you were just starting your kind of your own company at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, too young to like really know too much about anything. I was just coming in for theater school. But your name was like a very buzzy name in New York mm -hmm. at that time. And shortly after that is when I met Leah Delaria because we did On the Town together. And she's very good friends with Sandra Bernhardt, yes. who happened to be one of your great friends. So yes. I've started like becoming closer and closer to your circle. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just observed you from afar. But I was always so enamored with, first of all, you, because I didn't know anyone in the fashion industry. But also just your energy. And like there was just like an allure and like an aura around you wherever you went. Really? Oh, me? absolutely. <laughs> well... What do I have to attribute that to, you think? I think it's... Is it my voice and diction, possibly? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly, your voice and diction. Uh, but also, I feel like... Because I also... I mean, I grew up gay in an area of the United States that it wasn't super okay to be gay mm -hmm. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. And I definitely had to carve my own place out. Um, and I did that when I moved to New York. And I know that you had... You know, your upbringing was also... You're, you grew up in a very orthodox... Jewish household. You know, I have to say, as a New Yorker, you kind of grow up and look at other extremely glamorous people. You grow up, you're weaned on glamorous people, you know. If you go regularly to the opera or the ballet or the theater, which I did, with my parents and on my own, and I went to performing arts high school, so I was really exposed to that. And all those teachers at performing arts high school, they were like so erudite and so glamorous and so they talked about cooking and they yeah. talked about being in nightclubs and you know what I mean so it, it kind of set you up to want to do all that and be that adult right yeah. but you know I had a very rough time growing up you know gay and being in this orthodox culture and just being such an outsider etc so eventually when I got the idea to get the hell out of there it really meant something and I went And there was, I in Brooklyn? Was, were you in Brooklyn? Yeah, or? in Brooklyn, okay. New York, yes. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because it's, I could get there in 15 minutes. Right, 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 you could so take a train. So when I say there, you'd think it was like, you know, the Midwest yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. from. You went to performing arts school right out I of... Did. out of out of yeshiva, yeah. honey. That was a culture shock, sure. to, put it, to put it mildly, yeah. And it was saved my life, I think. Yeah. You know, performing arts high school saved my life. And you know what? Same. Right? You know, because I swear that kind of stuff, reading Shakespeare, I don't know, reading all those amazing plays by Tennessee Williams and all those plays when I was in high school yeah. and taking yoga every day and taking ballet every day, yeah. which was ridiculous, you know, yeah. but it saved my life and it opened me up. It made me understand that there was a better purpose right. to my life than, you know, kind of hiding in Brooklyn. Right, right, right. And I really mean that. I feel like it says, I feel like more than maths or something or more than social studies or whatever they do in, in, in you know, insist that you study in high school, I feel like art is a much more important well, subject. it makes you than, look within yourself, which is why I think, you know, not everyone can be an artist because there's not that willingness to do that. But also, I don't think everyone has the same ability to look within themselves and then translate that into something that is meaningful for everyone else. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very special gift that artists have. But I do think that everyone can benefit from just the practice of looking with inside yourself and like being comfortable with who you are because you have to be completely comfortable with who you are to be a good artist. Oh, oh look at that omelet. Oh, Gorgeous. Stunning. So pretty. And by the way, that is monster piece. That is a huge that piece is a of monster piece. Very that is like pornography <laughs> like <a quarter> of <laughs> That is size, darling. Size Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my God, that's great. Is it? That's so delicious. I came here once with a friend of mine and he got overwhelmed when we started ordering brunch mm -hmm. and he ended up getting a parfait, which a was parfait a tiny like yogurt. little, like yogurt and, and fruit. And it was very small. Mm -hmm. And everyone else got these like, you know, comically large si slices <laughs> of, of quiche and omelets. And his came and it was just this tiny little like dessert cup of yogurt. And so we kept calling it the panic parfait because he didn't know what to order. And so we just got the parfait. Okay, right, right, so right. Now, to, to this day, when we're out with him, we're like, are you going to get the panic parfait? Now, you said the words last time I was here and Andy Cohen in a sentence. Oh, right, right, right. That right. really yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinated me. Circle back, circle back. It was right before um, COVID and I was here with Leah Delaria right. and Justin. And Andy was um, at this table that we're sitting right next to with mm -hmm. Nene Leakes. And on. On, our, on, our, on his way out, he um, said hello to us. 
gave us a hug. We talked to him for a while. He introduced us to Nini. And then the next day, uh, he tested positive for COVID. And it was at the very beginning, like when, you know, like when Tom Hanks got yeah. COVID and like the world knew about it. Like every time someone of, who was famous got COVID, you were hearing about it. And so like I heard about it. And Well, wait know, a minute now. Yeah. What was Andy Cohen doing dining with Lenethia Leakes? Well, they're, they're, aren't they? He, he, well, he's Mrs. her boss. I thought, no, but I mean, she hasn't been on the Housewives of Atlanta for a minute. Right. Which is why I sort of, it lapses. Like, I sometimes I watch Atlanta because it's <laughs> hilarious, but some, I don't have to. It's not like must-watch television. Uh-huh. It's extremely good, but, you know, when, when, when Nini was on it, darling, it was like every week I would die. Right, I would right, have right. to watch it, you know. But anyway, maybe she, could she possibly become making a comeback? This was a while ago, though. This was 2000. Oh, 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 oh. No, 2020, sorry. Oh, right, but you said before Michael, COVID. Can you sorry, imagine? sorry. I got it excited. It was 40 years ago. I got excited. <laughs> By the way, can I just say something really embarrassing? Tell me. There's ketchup on this plate for the fries, which are amazing. And if you want several of them, please take several. But like, I, I'm using it on the omelet, the ketchup, which is probably not the chicest thing in the world to do. When I was a kid, I worked at Perry Ellis. Like I was 18 yes, years know, old, yeah. 20, 19 years old. And there was this photographer who I love, this woman called Erica Lennard. She's such a doll. She's such a good friend. And we really worked hard and we did these shootings and I would have to like fly to Water Island in these tiny little planes. And you know, in those days it wasn't like dress and shoes and like self-tanner. That, mm -hmm. That's everybody's look. In those days, darling, it was like three belts and a hat with a pin on it and then a pin on the lapel and then three jackets and <laughs> a pair of tights, a pair of socks, a pair of boots. I mean, it was a lot to Layered. remember. It was very layered. And if I forgot one thing, it wasn't like it was down the block. It was at Water Island, you right. know? So, because that's where she was shooting. But anyway, we went to breakfast one morning and I had eggs and I had the ketchup near the eggs. And she was like, please don't do that. You're making me sick. And I was like, wow, really? And she made me a little paranoid about eating eggs with ketchup. Really? But I really like eggs and ketchup. Is that sick? Mm. You can judge me. No, it's not at all. I thought you were going to say there's something special about that ketchup, but I feel like it's just... No. Mm -mm. Like, can I tell you, it's like the one ketchup that is good in the world. Like, it's, don't don't fuck with ketchup. I, I, that is ketchup. 100% agree right? with you. By the way, they also make another one, like an artisanal no, I don't want Heinz that. thing. No. And it's just, I gave it all away. I bought like two of them <laughs> and I opened it. It was terrible. And I went back and got the regular ketchup. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you because there's sugar in it. That's why. I don't know what. Oh, it's there's sugar absolutely, in there. there's like cornstarch or thing. something in there. We love it. Yeah, we love, we it. love it. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, Isaac tells me what it was like to be an IT designer of the early 90s and why he can count how many fashion shows he's been to on one hand. Okay, be right back. I love what I do. I also love the idea of not doing it one day, but it's getting harder to know the best way to move forward into the future towards retirement. We hear about inflation, rate hikes, the changing market, got to get the kids through college, build an emergency fund, and then there's retirement. Here's where Fidelity comes in. Fidelity can help you find clarity in saving for the future, even as your path and priorities evolve. How? Well, they'll help you create a free personalized plan that adapts as your priorities change. They'll also show you what's called timely insights, small tips on ways to save and invest to help meet your goals. And you can monitor your plan so you stay on target. The future's coming and so's retirement. Fidelity can help you take it on your way. Learn more at fidelity.com future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. Sometimes when I've had a long day, honestly, the last thing I want to do is think about what to eat, even though I, I love to cook. I mean, sometimes, let's just face it, we don't want to spend the time figuring out the ingredients, the recipe, going to the grocery store, and then you got to face the cleanup. That's when Factor comes in. I just pop one of their delicious meals in the microwave for two minutes, and voila, I have a restaurant-quality meal. I personally like to plate it and make it look pretty, and I tell myself, wow, look at this beautiful pork shop you just threw together. I love that Factor is flexible with my lifestyle. I can cater it to my dietary needs. Like, let's say I'm leaning vegetarian one month or keto the next, and I can change how many meals I get week to week to fit my schedule. 
I seriously look forward to the Tuesday delivery date in that Factor box on my doorstep. So why not give it a try? Head to factormeals.com slash dinners50 and use code dinners50 to get 50% off. That's code dinners50 at factormeals.com slash dinners50 to get 50% off. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. You mentioned Perry Ellis. I do want to talk about like the beginning of your um, your career as a designer. Which all t- Okay, so I was listening to a recent podcast you did, and this totally surprised me. And tell me if it was actually just the way you were feeling that day or if this is actually true. But fashion for you was something that you that, that wasn't your first passion. You wanted to be an entertainer. You wanted to be a performer. Mm-hmm. And fashion was just something you knew how to do. And it was almost like your survival job. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? It is true. I mean, like, I pursued it because being from New York, you know, you kind of understand quickly that it's easy to get a job, say, in a design room in those days because there were millions of design rooms. And my father was a manufacturer of children's clothes, and I was kind of raised with a lot of sewing machines, and I just understood how to do it. And in order to ensure my safe passage out of that crazy community, I had to figure out how to make money. And I just thought, you know what? I was still at Parsons when I got my first job. I worked for Perry Ellis while I was in college. Right, what a huge break. Wait a minute, this is the best it, thing I've eaten all day. Scone. The scone is really it's good. delicious. It has that kind of turbinado sugar yes. on top and it's like a little crunch at the end. Mm. Yes, you need that. And it's not sweet at all. And this could use a little butter, just say. <laughs> All right, Brian McNally, if you're listening, okay? <laughs> Little butter served with the viennoiserie basket, okay? <laughs> That's yeah. it? Look at your monster No, I'm, you I'm eating slowly because I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm still going. I'm not. I'm like, you're done? You know what? I got home really late last night. Where were you? I was at QVC all, all, all day. It's fashion days. Oh, no. At QVC. Hmm. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. We're having brunch on fashion week. This is well, crazy. Oh, that's right. Well, fashion week doesn't matter to me anymore, darling. And I always say this thing like, you know, nothing good can come from something called Fashion Week, you know? Yeah. I mean that. It's just too many clothes. Too many yeah. clothes. People are not supposed but to do that. But you were a part of it at one point. I was, and I resisted, resisted, resisted. You know, and they wanted to codify it. I remember this whole thing with Fern Malice and Anna Winter, and they were like, you have to show in the tents. And I was like, I'm not showing at the tents, you know? I'm showing at this abandoned bank space, you know, in the financial district. And you're going to have to schlep your ass over there because it's gorgeous, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was right. I was right about that. And that's why I made that show with the scrim. Yes. Because I was like, well, I'm not going to do this in this fucking tent. And it's the same models at that point, right? Yeah. Everybody booked the same models. Everybody's doing the same And when you say the same length. models, it's literally it like... It was Linda, Naomi, Cindy, Cindy Crawford, Veronica, yes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It was that yes. list. You know? The icons. The icons, yeah. And so, like, you have those girls. And if you had a lot of money, which I didn't, you can pretend to have a fabulous fashion show. If it's in the same tent with the same models, yeah. you know, and the colors are good. You have a colorist come in and go, those colors, or you have good shoes that day. Everybody's excited, you know? And you're killing yourself to do something individual, right? Right. I'm anti-homogeny, darling. (laughs) Anti-homogeny. It's on the record. (laughs) But you battled with about this this idea that you had for a scrim, which which was a white scrim with just your name on it. Mm -hmm. And then the scrim, uh, for people who don't know, like a scrim can be lit from different ways, and it could be Mm -hmm. opaque, or it can be transparent, or it could be completely um, uh, see-through at one point, and you had all of the models dressing behind yeah. the scrim. You could see them so you could dressing. see like a yeah. peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. of the backstage right. antics. You were back there running around with your, yes. you know, adjusting costumes, and then it, it ended up being this really successful, wonderful, yeah. visual thing that almost everyone told you not to do. Yes, this is so true. And I think that happens a lot, just not only with fashion, but like all of artists, you know, the one thing you have to hold on to is your artistic vision and like what you want to do and to like really dig your heels in when you feel like it's right. And I feel like that was a perfect example of an artist digging their heels in and it went over mind-blowingly well. First of all, you inspire me by telling that story because it's a constant battle, right? Like every day getting out of bed is a battle and envisioning yourself standing in front of the mirror brushing your teeth, that's a step. I'm not kidding. Yeah. 
and it's not just me, it's everybody, and especially as you get older, darling, I'm just warning you. It gets, first of all, it gets harder to walk, right? It gets oh, yeah. harder to I've stand up straight. I've already experienced that. I'm Fuck experiencing you. that. Okay. No, I am. Give I walk like a dinosaur a to the bathroom Good, I'm so glad. I'm so excited that you're saying that. I always did, actually. I never had, like, good knees or a good back or good yeah. feet. I've always been a mess, you know? But anyway, so, you know, envisioning just kind of making it through the day is something, mm -hmm. you know? But then you're so right about that. It's like, you know, this thing about sticking to something because like, even if it fails, you have the satisfaction yes. of saying to yourself, no, but you I know what? It. I have integrity. At least I have integrity. And that's a big word. And that has a lot of different interpretations. You know, we know, we yeah. know, we know, right? As right. individuals. Absolutely. By the way, are we not eating anymore? Are we just being gay and not eating anymore? I'm or still what? picking at okay. mine. Okay, I'm just saying. Do you there's want a lot more of your omelets? I don't know. I don't know. Do you? Do you I want definitely some want some omelet? more. I want more iced coffee. This is beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Mm -hmm. It's delicious. Mmm. No. So you were, your career was given a huge boost when um, Chanel invested in you. And you were, I guess I became aware of you after you had already sort of became this thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't kind of realize, I guess, how quickly that might have happened for you. I mean, you and Mark Jacobs were sort of like being, like, touted it as like the two yeah. next big things. Mm -hmm. Mark well, Jacobs. Well, you know, yeah. the thing about the Chanel thing was that, you know, everybody thinks of it as the big boost, but it didn't really, I mean, it was just it was just a good deal of money. Right. Which so is that I could a boost. Com continue doing what I was doing. Except there were a lot of people who would have done that. You know what right. I mean? And the thing about Chanel, bless them, is they did not understand, nor did I, nor did anyone at the time, because it was way before, you know, there was one company that owned all these companies, right? It was, it was way before that where they didn't understand the machinery that needed to be put into place to actually make it into something, mm -hmm. right? Like a heritage American fashion brand. So while they were waiting for me to do it, I was waiting for them to do it. It was like, okay, so when am I going to get all these merchants and, and an advertising budget and a store and, and you're all also that? how old at this point? I was 27. You so know? young. So yeah. young. Yeah. And so that lasted about 10 years and it kind of, and we decided amicably that it wasn't going to work. It was going to be done. And so I decided to close the doors and we took it from there. So I think it like delayed things and it, it didn't really help much. Plus they were very from this place where they did not want to, it wasn't like there was a cover of women's wear announcing or a cover of Vogue announcing that my company had been you know, kind of partnered with Chanel, they kept it very quiet. They wanted it very quiet. Right. It sort of seeped out the news as opposed to making an impact. And know? yet when, when that partnership dissolved, that was on the... Right, yeah. that, of course, was on the cover of the New York Times. Yes. Darling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I want to talk about that, but first of all, like, while you were... At, during this partnership, though, I mean, you, you this is the moment where you were being pressured to show in the tents and you were doing these fashion shows and yeah. you had all these... Fabulous people showing yes. up in the front row. Liza Minnelli and Sandra Bernhardt, uh, Madonna. No. I mean, uh, Prince. And you know, they would come because they like clothes. Yeah. I think De Niro used to come because he liked the girls. He yeah, thought yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. lot of beautiful girls, and he wasn't wrong. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 And so there was a kind of like a like a real energy about it, and there was an energy in the audience, and there was an energy on the runway. And today, like you know, years later when I was doing shows again, I worked with the stylist. And she was like, could you stop smiling? Stop the smile, you know? And she put up a sign like, no smiling. And I uh, thought, this is where I have to end. This is where I have to, I can't do another fashion show. I mean, of course, we don't love to see- Who was she telling to that to smile? The models. And the thing is, she wasn't wrong because there is something sickening about a girl walking down the runway <laughs> smiling. But, you know, like if something happens on the runway that's hilarious or something, right. or- like own it. You know, there was a whole, I'm not kidding, like between those women, they did a thing where they understood how to smile in a very cool way. You uh -huh. know, I don't know. Have you been to a fashion show recently? No, I, I have never been to another fashion show. I went to literally two fashion shows in my whole life. One was Jeffrey Bean uh -huh. when I was like in Parsons, who was my favorite designer. Uh -huh. I think that ever lived. I think that is like, I will go to my grave thinking he was the greatest creator of 
the 20th century. Uh -huh. you know? Jeffrey Bean was the greatest designer who ever lived, wow. if you ask me. And then I went to a Gautier show once, too, that was really good. Because you were a fan of Gautier no, or you wanted to see the spectacle? Because he was having like a, an event in New York at the time. Uh -huh. He had his show in New York that season, and it was at this club, and I was a big club kid, darling, a big, were you? big, oh, like yes. Like Limelight? Are you kidding? So Tell much. Tell me where you went. Limelight? Oh, well, I, starting in high school, I mean, I went, I, this is the most typical thing. I went to Studio 54 a lot, you wow. know? And Xenon, and there was a small club called Hippopotamus on the Upper East Side. And then, of course, it was like, you know, um, New York, New York, and Electric Circus, and, you know, I don't know, there were millions yeah. of clubs. And then it was Area. Area was very, very cool. That was a little bit later. And then there was the Mud Club. The Mud Club was the greatest place in the world. That wasn't so much a disco as much as like a dance club. Right. And it was more sort of punk rock music. Yeah. And so fabulous. And then of course I, you know, now I have to force myself to go out and it's nine o'clock and I'm like, well, you yeah, just, and you can't I mean, go out at nine o'clock. Same. Right? I do have two kids, but like, I think even if I didn't have the two kids, I would still be doing Does Justin go out? He does more than me. You know, I mean, but he's also tired. You know, it's, right. it's exhausting <laughs> having children. Oh, um, when you were designing in the 90s, in the late 80s, I mean, you're a gay man in an industry with mostly gay men at the height of the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, what right. was that like? You said you were a club kid. You it was were scary. A, yeah. And I have to tell you, you know, it wasn't until my late 30s that I started whoring around. You know, like I did uh -huh. not, I'm not kidding, like from the age of like 18 to the age of like 38 or something, mm -hmm. I had maybe five or six boyfriends that I slept with because I was so scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would have to be crazy to go out and do that right. in that time. And even sleeping with those men, even the boyfriends I had was scary because you didn't know, you know, right? So it was all scary. They say that thing where, you know, all the gay men died and so there's no great opera anymore, great ballet, because those vicious, vicious queens don't go and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? That sucked, mm -hmm. you know? And I kind of think, I, I always said, come on, really? That's not why opera and ballet suck. It's because, but I think they might be right. Mm. I swear, I think they really might be right. Because I'm the only queen left who goes and goes. <laughs> I go to those things There's and I go, I There's a few others. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, Isaac tells me about his risky decision to do a line with Target, which we all know paid off immensely. Okay, be right back. I love my home. I do. I love it so much. But I also love vacationing. I work a lot. And sometimes it, it bothers me to think how often I'm not actually there to enjoy it. I mean, whether I'm going on a fun vacation with Justin or traveling to New York for work, there's big chunks of time that I don't get to relish that sofa I pined so hard to buy or bake cookies that I can make with my stand-up mixer that I got for Christmas. And I realize there is a way that I might feel better. If I became an Airbnb host, I could make use of the space when I'm away and make some extra cash. I mean, my next vacation could essentially pay for itself. Like, my extra Airbnb cash could go into an account for that trip to Paris I've been pondering, and then basically the trip is free. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I know that's not technically how math works, but okay. I, also, if we're saving money hosting, this means I could do some shopping, right? And the weather is also very nice in Paris at this time of the month, and I just feel like it might be... Okay, you know what? I'm going to talk to Justin about this. Um, thank you for letting me share this epiphany with you. I appreciate it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. I kind of hate the word, but I don't know. I'll admit it. I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie to the core. Whether it's in the kitchen, trying out a new recipe, or checking out the latest trendy restaurant— and I can earn rewards every time I braise a lamb shank or devour a chef's special at my favorite eatery with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. This makes my compulsive to-go ordering at Kismet Rotisserie in Studio City feel so good on so many levels because with all the points on my purchase, it's a win-win, right? Plus, you get delicious chicken. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery. Plus, earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries. 
Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Eat out or eat in with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what was it like when you did have to close after Chanel said we're not going to do this yeah. relationship anymore? I mean, did you have the faith in yourself to know, like, I have so much more to give or I'm going to be okay or... It was an amicable thing. And they gave me a choice. They were like, oh, you could do this, you could do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm closing. Yeah. And they were like, okay. Like, I kind of looked at what I was doing and it just couldn't be interesting for that much longer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had a deal to make a movie with somebody and I had a deal to make a television show with somebody and a deal to make a one-person show off-Broadway. So a lot was going on, you know? And I started on that path, which is the path I kind of You kind of wanted to do in the beginning. Wait, can I ask you, were your parents still alive during this time? My mom was. And uh, I know you have sisters. I have two sisters, yeah. You don't really speak to too much. I do, no, I mean, I I love my, I love, quote unquote, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. hilarious, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, but true. But what, what was their response when all this success was happening for you? They were into it. And, you know, my, my, weirdly, my sisters, who are Orthodox Jews, yeah. and their husbands, who are really Orthodox Jews, never missed a fashion show. Really? Yeah. Which that. was like, what? I mean, you know, because some of the stuff that were worn by these women was extremely louche. You know? Did you ever I mean, make was, anything for them? Sure. What you did you make me? for them? Well, I made all their wedding clothes. For my really? sisters, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I made yeah. all their wedding clothes when I was a tiny kid, you know? I mean, they got married when I was like, I would say, 18 or 19 years old. So I did all those clothes. But also, they bought clothes wholesale, or I gave them clothes for my uh-huh. collection. If it's a turtleneck thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's appropriate. And they all wear designer clothes. You know, they wear yeah. designer clothes. So they were they were supporters of yours. They were supportive of the design thing. Yeah. yeah. I love to hear that you had that faith in yourself when the Chanel thing ended and you were because the next year you were doing your one man show off Broadway. That's right? right. That's right. It ran for like a year or something. Yeah. You know, it was a fabulous success. I remember when that was running, yeah. And I had all these other projects, so I didn't really see it. And then of course the target thing happened. Right, which I want to talk everything. about. Yeah. That was a huge giant thing. Um, which I, I, I'm so glad I did, you know. So that was you were given the opportunity to design. You were the, actually the first collaboration yes. that you, that Target yeah. did. They've since gone on to do stuff with Miss Sony, with um, Jason Wu. I mean, right. it, it, it wasn't the first collaboration, but it was the first line. Like it was in the store right. for seven years. Like they put a effort into it because I think Steven Sprouse did like you know beach towels and right, 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 and right. A t-shirts Home goods and, and you know things yeah. like that and it was like a minute a... and then it went away this was actually a collection of clothes that had like you know a devoted amount of space in each of the stores right. tea stands and things and I mean you if know, you go into the target and website promotions. and there's a timeline of like the history of target you're on that timeline is one of the most important collaborations in the history of target wait the, the podcast listener can't see this but <laughs> I just put my iced coffee down with great gusto because it's true. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, I was very happy to do that because it but was But you were nervous. Qu- you have to admit you were nervous. I, I was nervous because and explain there, why. Were, there was this one customer of mine who I loved. She was like a friend of mine. And we were having lunch. She was like, wait, you're doing what? And I was like, I'm making these clothes for Target and I'm making a new couture collection and I'm going to show them together and it's going to be very, very pretty. She's like, well, I can't buy your clothes anymore if you're going to make those clothes for Target. And I was like, you won't? She's like, no, I probably won't. And I was like, oh, all right. And, you know, it really made that through the fear of God in me. But also I have to tell you, like, at that point, I didn't have much to lose because it wasn't like I was still pursuing a career in design. I just said, oh, this would be really funny and fun to do, you know? And so I made this show at Cipriani with literally, you know, ball gown skirts that were like $17,000 or something, 
with T-shirts that were $17. And I remember, I swear to you, Betty Holbrush, she would call and go, could I get some more of those T-shirts? Because I'm selling the skirt and they won't buy it unless you get the t- I'm serious. Wow. And Target was not the kind of place where you could go like, hey, can you give me a T-shirt? It's this crazy, you know, it's coming from God knows where. And sure, there are 17,000, but try getting one, right. you know, yeah. Right, right, In the right. size. And was this kind of the time also when, like, Sharon Stone famously wore, like, a Gap mock turtleneck maybe. tee to the Oscars? I feel like maybe, that was something maybe. that people were doing. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that was way after I did it. But right, she, right. she's great. I love her. And yeah, she's yeah. so stylish. She used to come to my shows all the time. Yeah. Like, and, and she would write me notes after, like, darling, did you really mean yeah. for that shoe to be so high? And I was like... Wow, she's like wow. a critic. Like she oh, has really good taste. Sharon Stone has really good taste. She does. She would write me notes like, "Darling, it was pure Fred Astaire," like that. And it would be like, "Oh my God, so somebody classy. got it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have gotten several of when you had that line with Target. They did have something set up at the Emmys, a gifting suite. Right. And I did get a gift bag with some of your stuff. So yeah. Well, guess what? Can I tell you? I do this thing sometimes at Fifty Four Below or at the Carlisle or something where I have like all this stuff that I get in gift bags yeah. that I re-gift because oh, that's what great. do you do with all that that's shit? Fantastic. What do you do with yeah, it, yeah, darling? Yeah, yeah. It is really fantastic. It's really fun. I do want to talk about um, that part of your career as well, but okay. I want to back up just a little bit because right before the target line happened, you did something which I can only imagine must have been thrilling for you, and you got to design the costumes for the Broadway revival of the women. Yes. Um, with this insane cast. It was a crazy Cynthia Nixon, uh, Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Coolidge, um, Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan, Kirsten Johnston. I and mean, Rue McClanahan. Did you ever know that crazy story I about me and Rue McClanahan? Oh, no, no, tell me. Oh, my God. Well, I love Rue McClanahan. She was amazing. And, of course, we met and was all so cordial and fabulous. And we're doing the costumes. And we come to the big number that she wears at the end at the party, right? And I designed this hilarious dress for her, right? It was really funny. And it's something I thought the character would really wear. And it would be extremely funny, right? But she didn't like it. Because it was funny as opposed to being like you know, kind of gorgeous and flattering and, and right. gorgeous. It was kind of like a joke about, it was all ruched in this way, like, like speaking of Viennoiserie, it was like these Vienna, these Viennese curtains, like, okay. you know, those ruched curtains. Over the, the bustle? Over the whole dress. Yeah. And it was an old lady dress because she played the Countess de Love in that way, right? And she just didn't like it. And she kept trying to like, could you, and I was like, darling, no, because it's so funny. And then, the show happened and she walked on and got this huge laugh in the dress, right? But she still didn't like it. She just did not like it. And and I was like, Scott Scott Elliott, who was the, the director, director yeah. who's a doll, I love Scott. Anyway, and he kind of had a talk with her and it was like a whole serious thing. It wasn't pretty. And then I went back a couple of nights later after the opening and she's in this other dress. She actually commissioned another, <gasps> another costume designer to make her a dress. For that, what? for the rest of it, because she just would not wear the dress. Wait a minute, like, wait a minute. So the show her. opened with your dress. Yes. And then she... And then, like, three performances later, she shows up in this dress, and it was like, and did she not think it was... And I felt wait, so isn't that bad. breaking some union rule Maybe, something? but you know what? Here's the thing, like, I just felt bad that... Because I was such a bitch about it. Like, I was like, no, it's really funny. Like, I wasn't going to budge. Right. You know, it was her or me, you know? Because that's, you know, you don't think someone's going to pass on, and then you're going to feel really shit that you made them wear something they really hated, you right. know? Because it's funny and it's right in the show and you're the costume designer. And also you it's know? such reverence for her. Right. And so I hated it, but I did it and I forced it and now I will never live it down and like, it haunts me, that story. Like, I mean it. If you're listening in heaven, Rue, I'm sorry, darling. I mean I it, hope but. you didn't bring the dress with you. She <laughs> got the replacement right, dress. Do you remember exactly. who the designer was? No, that? no. It was just some costume designer, like some wow, wardrobe. I did not know that. I do know this other story, and will you confirm if it's true or not? Uh-oh. Um, do you know what I'm going to ask? No. <laughs> Go on, ask. So there's a scene, I believe it was Jennifer Tilly's character stands up in a bathtub. Yes, yes. And, oh, right. Yes, and I do she, know. It's, it's, it's a period piece. Yeah. Uh, it takes place in, what, the 1940s? 30s, 30s? 1938. Yeah. And... Jennifer Tilly's um, pubic hair was Bush. not Bush was not yes. uh, period appropriate. <laughs> no, it was not because she had a she had a Brazilian, yeah. and it was because she had a nude. She walked. She you know because Scott did it in this kind of dirty, dirty, dirty way. Like you know, like 
people were smoking in the exercise class. Uh-huh. It was like everybody was smoking constantly, Which and is like hilarious. you know, putting a- cigarettes out like in the, like it, that's what he that's what he imagined yeah. it was like in the 30s. Yeah which is not untrue, right? right? And he's so smart. And so he did this thing with her where she stands up in the bathtub and she's completely naked, right? Right. And she had a Brazilian, she had a little Brazilian bikini wax. Uh-huh. And I was the one who had to break it to her that, you know, like she'd have to grow out her pubic hair because it's not, who the hell knew what a, what a Brazilian right. bikini wax was in 1938? But was there time to grow it out? You By know, the time no, the critics arrived? no, 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 no. So I think we used a few more bubbles on that area because it's a bubble. This is the story I heard that I really <laughs> wish had happened was that you designed her a merkin. I wish I could have gone to the trouble of designing <laughs> her a merkin. Wouldn't that have been so fabulous? I mean, oh. talk, when you when people like leave a show, like what's the one thing you stole from the show? I, I guarantee Tilly's she would have stolen merkin. her merkin. <laughs> um, I know you've always been a great singer and a wonderful performer, but like when did you start like? deciding to, to do this one-man show that you've seen. So you performed at the Carlisle, which yeah. is an iconic... You should come once, because it Justin is such... has been. Oh, I, I have? When you were doing your last show, I was on stage, so I wasn't able to go. But Justin's been, and he's like, he is wonderful. Oh, yay. He I love Justin for love the show. He's not the Carl- <laughs> He's not wrong. The Carlisle is like this amazing venue in, in the Carlisle Hotel where Elaine Stritchwood famously yeah. performed. You know, when I did my one-person show off-Broadway, it was a written piece yeah. with cues and, you know, musical yeah. cues and lighting cues and set cues and blah, right? But when you work at the Carlisle or you work at, the, at a club, mm-hmm. I can say stuff off-book if I want, right. you know? I write a lot of stuff and I'm prepared and I write a lot of jokes well. and I have a lot of stuff, but then sometimes stuff happens where it's just great and better than anything you could possibly write, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, do you like putting shows together like that? I, I heard you talking once about a, a set list and you were like, I'm gonna do this song and this show, but it's not really appropriate for this show and kind of, you have this array of things that you do, but you, you know, don't ask us to put everything into the same show. I don't know why. I think because, you know what, when you're making clothes and you're showing clothes, who cares? It's like, you know, it's just a presentation of the thing. It's The presentation is not supposed to be what it's about. The end use is someone wearing clothes. Yeah. So if you're going, I'm going to fuss and fuss and fuss about the show, it then becomes about a show, but it's an inappropriate kind of a thing sure. to me. Whereas like when I'm working on my show, every single word I can parse over it a thousand times because it, it is appropriate. So so putting all of that effort into it matters, you know? I have to say it's what I absolutely live for, you know? And I'll tell you this, right before I had my, my residence at 54 Below this summer, I got COVID, you okay, know? Yeah. And I recovered the day my rehearsal started, luckily. Yeah. And I was exhausted through the entire, like I was so tired <laughs> through those five shows. And they were great shows and they're fabulous, right? You know when you finish with a show and you just get that amazing feeling or even during the show, some kind of like payoff, right? Yeah. Didn't happen. How interesting. And I didn't, and I thought like, what am I doing? Like, am I in the right business? Am I do? And here I am like fighting for this position in the world, you know? And by the way, I love being on stage. I love it. And so to not have felt that this past time, it scared me yeah. because Why I'm not kidding. Why do you think kidding. it was? I, because I was so exhausted yeah. and so scared that I wasn't able to sing yeah. when my lungs were still recovering from COVID. Yeah. You know, I couldn't breathe for two weeks and yeah. all of a sudden my rehearsals start and I have to be singing for hours and hours and hours. But anyway, I will tell you that like, you know, as a performer, there's something so marvelous about those moments, those golden moments on stage. Yeah. That, like, no matter how shitty the world is or how shitty politics or global, or I don't know what you're worried about, what you think about, when you're on stage, it all funnels into this kind of incredible thing, you know? Yeah. But everything is, becomes this kind yeah. of jolly kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's also one thing to create your own piece of art and then present it. It's a quite another thing to to go into something that is so established and like is like this well-oiled machine, which is what you did when you went into Chicago. Yes. Talk about a well-oiled machine. That show's been running for 700 years. Oh, yes. And it's so good. I just went yeah. to go see it uh, a few weeks ago with Jinx Monsoon. And like, right. uh, you know, I wasn't able to come see yours because I was doing Take Me Out at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, but your run, but you were in it for three months, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. And yeah. What was yeah, that yeah. experience like to it be was... on making a Broadway debut as a performer? It was... Scary beyond words. You know, I was a kid when the first one came out. 
1975. 1975, yeah. exactly. So I saw it a million times and I was obsessed with it and it was raunchy, darling. Now it's kind of family entertainment. They made it sort of raunchy with air quotes. Yes. That show originally was just filthy. Like I went to the first time I saw it was with my my parents and they literally were like so embarrassed yeah. that they took us to see that show because we were kids, you know. And it wasn't a hit when it first No, it was not a hit. It was it played for about a year, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, it was not a hit. But and, and also I remember my teachers at performing arts high school going, Oh darlings, this is not something you want to <laughs> do, you know. And I don't know, you know, people didn't like Bob Fosse. They just didn't like him. God, that's Dance fascinating. critics didn't like him. They didn't think and he was And now everyone's good. trying to emulate him. I know. Yeah, yeah. Have you been enjoying your podcast? I love Which I was my a guest pod- on. Thank you for were. having and me. Can I tell you something? Your yeah. episode was kind of a breakthrough for me. And I thought, I have to do 40. What the fuck? Have I got? I'm going to kill. And I was in therapy going, what have I done? And then when it <laughs> premiered, it had a very good, like, number or something. Yeah. It was like number six overall. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? You're kidding. Anybody's listening to this shit? Yeah. You know, I couldn't believe it, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, now I love it. You know, after <laughs> you and the and the rating thing, right? Yeah. So, and that it's doing very, very well makes me feel like... What do you like most about it? Um, I like kind of getting people to tell me stuff that they wouldn't normally tell yeah, others, you know? Yeah. Like, and sometimes that's not that easy, particularly with people who have been interviewed a trillion sure. times and have told them, you know what? I told this to Andy, like- um, Andy Cohen, right? Andy Cohen, yeah. when I had my talk show for seven years, by yes, the way, on Oxygen. that's right. That's, we haven't like, even talked about that. I had, I had Dolly, as, which was like a get, you know, Jesus. like in whenever that was. And Dolly I Parton. did yeah. the thing and she told me this story about how she played her acrylic nails and she played the nails for me on the show and I was like oh my god I just got the greatest scoop in the history of talk shows and then of course they were like darling she told that shit on every fucking show I was like I know that story (laughs) but for a minute I was like I am like fucking Oprah and David Frost (laughs) and Dick Cavett put together you know but so good you know I I personally love the research because like even with just with you who I know so well I got to read up about so many things I didn't know about, you know, and I, I, I love getting to know these people who I admire so much on a deeper level. I've been really enjoying that part of it. Um, and your podcast is called Hello Isaac. It's and called I Hello Isaac, and it drops once a week. I think on Mondays it drops. Yeah. And you can get it wherever you get because your podcast. That's right. You know, that's a, not an easy phrase to say. <laughs> get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you get, you have to yeah. slow down or wherever That's you right. get, right? <laughs> right, or wherever you get your podcast, say that. Podcast. Or wherever you get your podcast. See, I messed it up. Yeah. I told you, it's not easy. Well, this has been incredibly chic. Isaac, so chic. Sunday brunch at so Pastis so in New York City. During Fashion Week, which we're not, we don't really care about anymore. You know, eh, yes and no. Maybe a little, maybe a little sour grapes. Yeah, but this is very chic, and I thank you, thank you so much. Oh, for you're doing so this. chic. You're so chic. Next time on Dinners on Me, Jonathan Van Ness. We'll get into the state of queer rights and their important activism around it, their love for Joe Biden, and what goes into the perfect martini. And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, you not only get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen to them completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale She composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. <laughs> <laughs>